0: last night's game three hits three hits they found a way to win they beat the baltimore orioles and by the way now now we're fully coming out of vacation mode okay vacation mode is officially over went down to the ballpark we're back on the best bets i posted to twitter and instagram last night so make sure you follow there both best bets hit of course i took the jays Of course I said, this has got to be it. This has got to be a stand game. This has got to be a guts game. Springer gets off the schneid. What was it? Over 35? What a moment that was. I love that that's a moment in the season, but I'm definitely going to remember it. I'm definitely going to remember being down at the ballpark for the reaction of the crowd and from Springer as he got his first base hit in weeks. And hopefully, God, hopefully, 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 this changes things for him. And, and an awesome at-bat for Vladdy, too, where he draws a walk in that wild sixth where Baltimore just completely fell apart. A bunch of walks, a couple hit batters, and then, yeah, of course, a, a terrible error. But, you know, again, strange, strange game. What I what I will say right now that I'm absolutely... ling. And this is like, I don't know, this is even... The Rogers Center kicks ass right now. It really does. The Rogers Center is so good. It feels like the all the successful runs from 2015 onward are now building up into a stadium atmosphere that just feels really quality, really... Just different than years past that I've been. Obviously, that place gets cooking. That place gets hot for big games. It always has. But for it to be a Wednesday night, and I know it's Baltimore, but a team that's been kicking Toronto's ass this year, a Wednesday night where it feels almost like a packed house and there's a vibe throughout the building and people are locked in on the moments of the game. People are just talking in the stands about the team. Like, you can understand the frustration At times that we've talked about with this team when they've been disappointing and when they haven't been able to get hits because the the fan base is just completely locked in and so this stretch run I think is going to be really 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 fun to be down there obviously the outfield upgrades have been massive for this team for the stadium for this fan base like the energy there being able to I, I sat right next to the bullpen last night and got to watch Hicks warm up which was really fun really really fun then he comes in good performance by him I'm just really liking the atmosphere down at the Rogers Center right now. Everything seems to be clicking from a fan base standpoint. Let's just hope that the team can start to get back on track. So yeah, three hits. They it's not a masterful performance at the dish. There was actually quite a few frustrating moments throughout the game where you're watching them going, Come on, this the the pitcher for the Orioles is not, you know this is not Max Scherzer in his prime. This is not Clayton Kershaw. This is not Felix Hernandez out here. Maybe string together some hits. It still feels, you know, thin without Bobachette. He's obviously a huge, huge hole in the lineup. But credit to Yusei Kikuchi last night. Guy spun one. He spun one against a team that has been lighting them up with their bats. Huge spot for him. And all it made me think about was one, they're just not gonna be able to abandon the six man rotation for a while. I-, I don't know how exactly they're gonna end up navigating this because they are <clears throat> they are in a playoff chase. And and it's going to be a tough road for them to end up actually getting there, especially given what's coming up in the series. You know they have Gosman going tonight. You don't really want to be skipping his starts, but all these guys are capable. And maybe if Ryu falls off or he's just not really giving anything, you're very very short with the hook. But all these guys deserve to pitch. And and the hope is the formula is I think for this team that they go out there, they deliver quality starts where they keep their teams in baseball games and they can just hang around to have some moments like the one that they did in the 6 yesterday. But yeah, Kikuchi looked great. Honest, honest to god, he just he did he does not look like a bubble guy. He does not look like a guy that should be coming out of the rotation and should be going into the bullpen and be another lefty in there. I I it just it certainly doesn't feel that way right now. He was awesome. Really really great stuff from him. And yeah, they're going to have to win these games this way. This is going to be it for them. Win it with low scoring because I just I'm having a tough time seeing this offense suddenly turn it around and, and all of a sudden look like they're going to be phenomenal. But, yeah, Roger Center, kudos to you. Tip of the cap to you because, damn, it is one hell of a time down there. And, yeah, we just cracked August. We just cracked August, and I, I can't remember it being this fun down there during the weekdays during this time of year. Anyways, let's talk to Ennis. All right, it's time for the long-awaited post-deadline good hour with the one and only Ben Ennis. Hey, buddy.
1: Hey, buddy. Uh, You want to yell about Whit Merrifield again
0: like old times, like a year ago? Wow. You know. You know that's just a scumbag, low, dirty move by you. That's the last time I'll ever do your show in the heat of a moment where if you're gonna use these things against me, you know, I, not credit for. Hey.
1: Yeah, no, I'm I'm sorry for using the thing that you said against you.
0: Yeah, I didn't I didn't think that Whit Merrifield was enough. So maybe that's a good primer for the takes that I'm gonna have today. Is hey, this guy was dead wrong about the deadline last year. He thought Whit Merrifield wasn't enough. He thought Whit Merrifield was washed, that his Kansas City numbers were indicative of the player that he's going to be in Toronto, and so he's an idiot. So let's just start off this podcast with my name on it with disregard everything you might hear today is that good by you is that is that a good start that's that's
1: totally 100 percent fair yeah no it wasn't unfair listen you want to talk about unfair it was unfair the situation i put you in i think literally i had you on last year the segment after the deadline passed it was like the deadline passed in the break and then you were the first guest up after the break, and you're like, okay, well, sometimes there's deals that trickle through, and I was like, no, Shy's yeah. tweeting out that that's it. It's Whit Merrifield, and yeah,
0: you, no, you, no, no, you, you broke Whit Merrifield to me. Oh, is you that what said happened? like there's another deal coming through, and I went, <laughs> oh, thank God, because they need to have another deal well. break through, and then it was Whit Merrifield, and I went, the guy who. We don't even think can play here because at the time, you (laughs) know, you had to have the double vax, and Mm -hmm. the guy didn't exactly want it. So they had to work that out. He had to wait the period or so we thought in order to get it. And yeah, I I can't remember exactly what he was OPSing last year when he first came over. Like... It was not great. It was not great. He was 34 years old and yeah, I I don't stand by it because I was dead wrong, but yeah, I can I it's understandable why I didn't think it was enough. In your defense,
1: you were proven correct because what the Blue Jays really needed was more swing and miss out of the bullpen. And why did they not win a game go, yeah, against true. the Seattle Mariners in yeah. the two-game postseason series? couldn't get an out in, in game two with a big lead because they didn't have enough swing and miss. So yeah, you were right. They, they, Merrifield was a fine ad, they needed another one. Yeah. Not unlike this, this season where, okay, yeah, yeah. Paul, DeYoung young can play some shortstop. Maybe if Boba going to miss a few games, but uh, where's, where's the big right-handed bat in left field?
0: Dude, that's, that's exactly it. Okay. You know, there's, it's, it's weird now that you mention it, the parallels between last year and this year, right? where they went out and they did some addressing, and, and they started, and you went, okay, this isn't bad. Like, Anthony Bass, it's fine. It's a good addition. Zach Pop, I don't think any of us really thought was going to be much of anything at the time. Mitch White was trying to get ahead of a season and give you a little bit of insurance because Kikuchi was an absolute nightmare, so you wanted to have at least someone else that could give you innings. And then they brought in Whitmerfield, and you said, okay, well, where's the swing and miss guy? And this year, the parallel is kind of... Where was your Whit Merrifield of this season? You know what I mean? Like, where was the guy yeah. that was going to come in and, and be able to drive in some runs for you? A guy that was actually producing. Because th- this is the thing I can't shake about this deadline. I like the Hicks acquisition. I think the Jays are clearly going to be in a bunch of tight games. It's nice, especially given the injury to Romano. Finally, they have a big arm that can just smoke guys, right? The 104 that he can touch. Beautiful, beautiful stuff. I know the market wasn't oversaturated. We didn't see 15 guys that were right-handed bats get sold at the deadline. But h- how much do you put into the fact that the Jays knew this was a need for m- like months? I-, I keep shortening it to a month, and it- I feel like that's being extremely generous to them. That they had all this time to get things done and were never to able to materialize anything? Or, or does that not play a factor to you given, again, the amount of names that ended up eventually moving?
1: Nobody moved, right? Like, and if, if your qualm is, oh, they didn't get Mark Hanna or or they didn't get Tommy Pham, like, okay. Like, maybe those guys come I up like with I like how
0: it. you're <laughs> so off Tommy Pham all of a sudden. Like, I this like is a guy Tommy who Pham. for two I, months
1: I, has been... Listen, I, I like Tommy Pham. I like Tommy... I would have... I, listen, I would have given up what what uh, the, the, the Diamondbacks gave up to get Tommy
0: fam. I would have done it. Now there are people who said that he doesn't think that guy will ever play in the major leagues.
1: Yeah. He's like a million years old and yeah, whatever. Yeah. Who cares? The yeah, they gave up nothing for a guy who's 35 years old. Who's having a nice season, but is Tommy Mm fam, right? Like he's very Tommy fam. He's the most Tommy fam. And, and there's people who believe that he's unplayable. In, in even left field. The defensive num- numbers yeah. are not horrific for him, and he's played some center field also. I mean, probably speaks to how bad the Mets are. that <laughs> Tommy Pham has spent so much time out of the DH spot, but he's having, it like, a resurgent year offensively. I would have added Tommy Pham. Do I think Tommy Pham is, like, the, the linchpin of whether the Blue Jays make the playoffs, win the AL East, win a postseason series, win the World Series? God, I would hope not. I think sure. it's more like Vlad hitting more than, than 25 home runs and having an OPS north of 800 the rest of the way. So, uh, yeah, could Teoscar Hernandez have been that? For sure. He didn't move. I, I don't yeah. I don't know what happened there with the Mariners. Mariners did weird stuff selling off their closer, but then holding on to a guy who's a pending free agent. Um, another guy I would have liked is, is Tyler O'Neill, but the Cardinals held on to him as well. He has one more year of, of team control, and I know he's been super injured throughout the, the course of his entire career. I think those two guys are impact players, but but they didn't move. Yeah. So it's, it's hard for me to yeah. weigh in on Tommy Pham,
0: Mark Hanna, not needle movers if you're the Blue Jays. Okay, so to me, this is a case, though, of who – it's a bit of a straw man. I, I don't know the person that is looking at Tommy Pham and saying, well, this was the guy that was supposed to carry the offense. Like, that that was never – the the measurement for me the measurement was just hey can you get Santiago Espinal or Kevin Biggio off your roster and give your lineup some versatility plus I think that there is something to be said like dude Tommy Fam say whatever you want about the guy and Jim Bowden did shed a bit of light onto the character issues yeah. that I don't think were discussed enough with Tommy Pham. He, Basically, well, yeah. I, I don't want to paraphrase if, him.
1: If you, if you have a, a a football fantasy
0: league, like he will punch you in the face if he disagrees yeah. with how you <laughs> operate. Yeah. No, but I, I think it actually goes beyond that because I brought up the, the punching of Jock Peterson and he mentioned that, no, he doesn't think that he would have been a clubhouse fit for the Blue Jays uh-huh. and that it, it goes beyond just – teams like the Giants that went, no, no, no we're never going to put this guy in the same room as this dude. So take that with you know, a grain of salt or take that for what it's worth. But the thing about Tommy Pham is, okay, he's having a career year. All of a sudden he slots in on a day where now you don't need to play Dalton Varsho against a lefty, mm-hmm. which I think is kind of a nice upgrade. Now you never need to play Cavan Biggio, which I think is a pretty significant upgrade, getting a guy who would be what, I think third or fourth on the team in OPS the second he walked into the clubhouse? And here's the other thing with Tommy Pham that not enough people are mentioning. Do you know what his playoff OPS is? I don't know. Some some good because he wouldn't have brought it up if it was bad bingo <laughs> now who's laying the traps he's got a 931 ops and it's 56 plate appearances right like it's 15 games we're not looking at a guy that has a you know 200 games of playoffs under his belt like this he's 35 years old 15 games whatever but he's he is if we're gonna play the clutch mm. card then I think that this guy's a bit of a grinder and clutch so i I don't oh, know man it feels like if this well if dude if this front office was willing to bring in What's his name from the Marlins a couple of years ago? Jonathan VR. Yeah. Remember him? Yeah, no. He's, like, he's... if you're willing to roll the How'd dice out, on a the way? clubhouse. I mean,
1: that, that that's, that's it... supposed to help your argument?
0: No, I'm not saying it's supposed to help my argument. My point is simply that if you were gonna go out and target a mer- mercurial guy when you were making a playoff push, I don't really understand the logic of not doing it with a guy like Tommy Pham, who's a better player, who has a good postseason track record, and who, if you did bring him into this lineup, I I, I gotta believe you're where are you hitting him right mm-hmm. like five six somewhere in there like yeah. he's not at the very bottom all of a sudden it shifts everybody else around they're looking at a different dynamic they've got more roster flexibility I, I don't know man i feel as though it it's a little bit more important than that no it's you're right is vladimir guerrero jr more important than tommy fan of yeah. the Toronto blue jays yeah, yeah. uh I, I think that's pretty clear I, if that's the <laughs> argument then yes you have it so, like it's all yours and that's the way that the conversation has shifted but the idea to me that they could just sort of afford to go through this thing and then have Kevin Biggio and Santiago Espinal as legitimate, you know, guys who could get in there. No, I don't like that. I don't. I, I don't I, think. I, I refuse to like that.
1: No, I don't think it's binary like that because I do think there's even even okay. now, post trade deadline, there's things that you can do. And I, I tweeted a little bit about it um, after after Game Two of the the Orioles series about how I, I I've seen enough here now, and, and and at least now we've seen John Schneider not si- uh, standing pat, right? Like at least he's, he's shifting the lineup around. He's moving. George Springer out of the leadoff spot. He's putting Whit Merrifield up there, and he's trying different things. At least they're the, he's, at least he's that's playing happening. Jordan Hicks and blowouts. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, whatever. Let's stay on topic here. Um, yeah, yeah. Okay, so, so so yeah, there's only so long that you can continue to, to to play a certain way and expect things to normalize and for you to to, to come up with hits and with runners in scoring position before you're like, mm-hmm. oh wait, no, no we, we actually need to take action here. And okay, part of it is lineup. The other part is. Man, th- there are actually options in the minor leagues who, who might be capable major leaguers. And I know I, I talked about Addison serious. Barger at the beginning of the season and Aurelis Martinez. We all know about those two guys. But like, how about a guy like David Schneider, who's who's never not hit every single year of his minor league career? And he's a, like, a one millionth round draft pick. So, y- yeah, there's obviously a question as to whether that will translate to the major league level. But this year, he's having his best year ever. And it's in AAA, and he has positional versatility. Like, he can play on the infield. He's right-handed. He's got pop. He's like five foot six or something ridiculous. So I, I, I don't know how he's hitting all these home runs, but he is. And he takes walks. He's got like a career 350 on base percentage in, in the minor leagues. It's ridiculous. So sure. I, I'm not saying that he's the answer. It's, by the way, it's 374 in, in the minor leagues. I'm not saying that he's the answer. But, like, how about at this point in the season when you've seen it – Enough out of this offense to understand that, that it's 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 not the it's not near the elite level that it was a year ago. How about somebody like that? That 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 you might find lightning in a bottle in with a twenty four year old career minor leaguer?
0: Dude, I'm okay with it, but I, I just feel like the time for him then was the big earn spots, yeah. you know? Like, wow. why not have checked in on no, him? No, but earlier? it
1: can't be that. No, it can't. It can't be that either. Because the the Blue Jays have had a number of guys rotate through the twenty six man spot. Whether it's Nathan Lucas. Yeah. Or, yeah, or Luplo or, or Ernie Clement. And, and those guys yeah. are are on the roster in name only, but never, 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 never play. Like, if you're yeah. calling them up and, and you would have to free up a 40-man spot, which is no problem. Like, you,
0: you, Ernie Clement, you, I, I'm okay. Why, why do I have to play the 24-year-old journeyman millionth round pick? Like, uh, why can't I just have him on the bench and give him a couple of these spots and just see how he fits in? Like, oh, I, no, I, I, I want to see him play. Like, I want to see,
1: sure. see if there's something there. Because also there's a fit for him, Right. Yeah, like, we, I would have played think, him
0: over Cavan Biggio yes, every single time,
1: buddy. Here's what you can do: you can. I, and I know nothing about his defense, like nothing, nothing, nothing.
0: So Who cares? I can I'm just so you, tired of talking <laughs> about defense now. Like yeah. it's just well, it's, here, I, yeah, here's I've, the, the dirty little
1: secret that Whit Merrifield at second base hasn't exactly been prime Roberto Alomar either. The Blue yeah. Jays have been the worst team in Major League Baseball at turning ground balls on the right side of the infield into outs. So hard to do worse than that. Um, <laughs> so I, what I would do is I would give him a, a long run yeah. as the everyday second baseman. Whit Merrifield everyday left fielder hey Dalton Varsho, you can get in the lineup when Kevin BG or when uh, Kevin Kiermaier needs needs a blow in center field and obviously you can come in as a defensive replacement there you go and then you know maybe the the occasional DH start but no I would I would give him a run why not like you're you're gonna do better uh or you're gonna do worse with with Dalton Varsho, man I, I I think there's a real potential for improvement because, uh, honestly, the, the amount of offense they've gotten out of the Dalton Varsho spot in the, in the lineup has been so, so low. I would give it a run. Like, I don't think it is, even like the, the Spencer Horowitz little audition that we saw earlier this season, not enough playing time. Like, like yeah. this guy is having a special year in AAA. Who knows? Maybe you've actually got something. He it, wouldn't be the first guy in Major League history to be a non-prospect to turn into an everyday Major Leaguer. Let's, give him a,
0: let's see what we got. Hey, again, at this point, based on what you're working against, fine. I will say that it would be one hell of a play for them to make the trade for Dalton Varsho and then have him be losing significant time, oh, have not been. It's be an already happening player. though,
1: but it's it's they've already like they've acquiesced, and it's not that that uh, Dalton Varsho's career is over, but you yeah. you've seen his is is not his playing time because he's getting in almost every game as a defensive replacement or a pinch run or whatever, but he's, he's not starting every game now, right? Like it's pretty clear now with, with Boba shed out, I I don't know how that's going to impact his playing time, but no, that there's already an acknowledgement here that the blue Jays, it's all well and good to have incredible defense across all three outfield positions, or at least two out of the three outfield positions. But if you can't get a lead, what, what good is it having swing and miss out of the back of your bullpen?
0: Yeah. You know, it's like, it would have been cooler to keep your top prospect and, Power hitting righty, I guess he's not power as much anymore. He's just more of an average guy, and just you know, re sign Bradley Zimmer because it's the exact same guy, but Dude, it's fine. Yeah, you're you're not far off. Like yeah, like,
1: no, the the offense that Dalton Varsha has provided has. Has been, yeah, like... Not- Dude, they
0: started the season, him, with the... What was he, the four-hole, yeah, the three-hole? Yeah, he, three hole? Like, no, he the cleanup man for the Blue Yeah, team. no, and, and people want to tell me, no, they just got him for his defense. It's like, uh, why'd they start him at the very top of the lineup? They thought that he was somebody else. Like, they... They, they did. They thought that he was going to end up being a bad. He hasn't been. It's been a huge story. I do want to touch on the Vladi thing, though, okay, before we get into, like, the reason that I'm having you, on is not just to kind of rehash and debate and discuss the the deadline itself, because I, I think that your take is the correct one, which is the, the, the Hicks move was really solid. Yes, they lost control. Yes, they lost guys who could, quote-unquote, help them, but getting a power arm out of the bullpen that people have been bitching for for the last bunch of seasons. Mm-hmm. They paid the price for him and they got him. Good job. They got insurance at shortstop with a guy who can play the position defensively very well, who has a little bit of pop, who, yeah, given what they have on the team, like actually seems to fit in fairly well. He could have a moment. I like that ad too. I, I probably like it more even than I did yesterday. But yes, not adding the right-handed power bat is a tough one to really get too mad about given who moved, right? Right. Given the players that move, they could have done it. Maybe you can quibble about Tommy Fam like I am a little bit, even though you were the original Fam man, and now I'm the Fam man. <laughs> that shifted pretty yeah. pretty quickly. But ultimately, like the deadline is, it is what it is. It's well and done. The Vladdy part of this, like it's, I'm gonna say Vladdy and Springer, okay, because mm-hmm. it, it's both guys at this point, right? Springer has been dreadful. And the body language isn't exactly what you would want from a guy making the kind of money that he makes. And then Vladdy's body language is fine, but it's just that he beats the ball over the shortstop (laughs) just about every single time he gets up to the Uh. dish these days. And, yeah, like this is clearly the most important part. I I just wonder if, in your opinion, given where people are at sort of with the front office where it's like these guys are eight years in and there's been frustration with them like, you know – like basically throughout their tenure, right? From the very beginning, and that's been smoothed over at times, but ultimately that undercurrent has still been there. Like, where do you think those guys are in terms of pressure from the the fan base or pressure from you to get this thing done? Do you think that there's like a a, a wide gap between those two things? Uh, I think
1: there there should always be pressure, and I think there is pressure, and I think it's 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 on Ross Atkins and not necessarily Mark Shapiro because okay, he's, yeah, he's, I get he's that. got like, yeah. He's got a level of separation because I think everybody agrees that the phase one of the, the renovations to Rogers Center have been... I was going to say, success. everyone
0: loves Shapiro because it's like, hey, at least we can drink here yeah, better now, uh, so you're good. Here, hey, yeah, thanks for yeah. all the booze zones, Mark. <laughs> well, and attendance is up
1: 4,000 yeah. per game, like, and and we're getting into like the, yeah. the part of the season where attendance typically goes up because we got important games and potentially playoff games to, to play for this team. Mm-hmm. Um, I, d- I do think... Ross Atkins does not return as general manager of the Toronto Blue Jays if they miss the playoffs entirely, which is like still I, very I much on the on it. yeah it's still very much on the table right like the yeah. gap between them and the team that they failed to to beat even once this season the Boston Red Sox who did nothing as well like did less than than the Blue Jays if you think the Blue Jays did nothing and I don't, I guess nobody thinks yeah that Yankees because Jordan and Sox Hicks, did nothing Jordan Hicks is significant right and uh, yeah jo- um, Paul DeYoung fits a, fits a hole but yeah the the Red Sox and the Yankees. They, they pushed no chips to the middle of the table. but yeah, the the Blue Jays end up losing a playoff spot to them or an Angels team who did do something and is like the most desperate uh, group of of all the American League potential wild card teams or God forbid the Mariners that you just lost two out of three to. yeah, then i I think you're you're talking about a, a new general manager at least there's gonna be a huge cry for that the this off season. I do think though, and I know it's hard to to look across the way at the orioles and and how good it it looks for them in this moment right now in these two teams and and blue Jay's fans laughing at the orioles uh after twenty sixteen the wild card game beating them in twenty sixteen and then them going in the doldrums for so long is saying, "Wow, how long is it going to take you to rebuild to where we are and that they had the the head start but it is true that like the the Blue Jays were the team people were talking about in in those terms like last year, a couple of years ago, right when they missed the playoffs and they were the hottest team in in September in twenty twenty one, and and Vlad looked like a budding superstar. The, the, this is like a a, a team that's going to per, be perennially involved in in the postseason discussion. That's not good enough, and I get it, especially when you're talking about the the expectations going into the season of winning a division and that like feeling. Like as the days go on, like just such a an incredible pipe dream, I I I mean, you talked to J.P. Ricciardi a couple of weeks ago, talking about how there's a lot of you know there's a lot of franchises, and maybe you know the trade deadline was an indication of this. A lot of franchises that are just happy to be in the mix, and 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 say the old cliche that once you get in the playoffs, it's it's kind of a crapshoot, and there's a lot of luck involved. I I there's a, there's got to be a, a little truth to that when it comes to this organization although they did push some chips in with the jordan hicks trade there's there there's a lot to hey if we're just a, a team that year over year especially with the expanded playoff field that's in the playoffs or in around 90 wins that that's that's going to placate a lot of people
0: dude uh, honestly I, i'd be okay with that given the history of this franchise right that this isn't the Yankees, right? Like, this mm-hmm. isn't a... You're, the, if you're a Blue Jays fan and you're expecting them to compete for a World Series every year, I think you're being a little delusional. That's that's not who they've been. In fact, they probably deserve a little credit from 2015 onwards because it, it does seem like there's been a shift in that mentality a bit of try to compete a little bit more, right? Like, that that you do want to be a playoff team, especially with the wildcard additions, right? Like, now that there's more playoff spots and there's going to be more balanced schedule, I, I do think that... Yeah, Toronto's never going to be in a position like Baltimore was where they're going to suffer through five seasons in a row of, what was it, like 350 combined winning percentage yeah, over that time? Awful. Like, Yeah, just awful. Like, just, just horrible, horrible stuff. But a couple of years ago, I remember you and I doing a bit on the Jays where we said, has there ever been a Toronto team that's had a better balance of what's on the current roster Yeah and what they have in the pipeline has there ever been a team plus they had the budget which had completely opened up for them where they could make these big splashy signings man think about other years where they would have made a signing like ryu where they would have given someone 20 million dollars and then like they just ended up shelving it for two seasons yeah like that that wasn't uh, that was not a reality where they could just kind of power through that that was a big time yankees red sox in the, you know, mid early 2000s type of move with like, I I think about, uh, what was it? Panda. Mm -hmm. What was, uh, Pablo Sandoval? Pablo Sandoval. I couldn't get out Pablo Escobar. I was (laughs) like, that's (laughs) not right. That's not Pablo Escobar. That's a different guy. Uh, like it's, it's, it's hard for this fan base to feel like something they thought that was going to be so special and materialize into championships is slipping through their fingers. And that this could all be lost. Dude, and
1: Okay, I, I I don't mean to cut you off, but like no, no, you're, go. you're making me I like, I I think there's a comparable there's there's a comparable so twenty twenty one was I think so far the best the Blue Jays team of this era. They had Marcus yeah, Semyon who had a historic uh season so at at second base. Vlad at the absolute tippy top peak of his powers. Tay Oscar Hernandez with with an elite offensive season, thirty-two home runs, eight seventy OPS, and George Springer not looking like he was encased in carbonite, like he does. Cy Young winner in Robbie Ray. They they needed some some bullpen help that that they, they didn't quite get at the deadline, and they finished Oof. one game uh, shy uh, of the postseason. Is that the season that this this franchise lives to regret? And I can't help but look at this Orioles. Season and say, boy, it looks like the future's so bright for this team, and it's only just the beginning that the Orioles are going to start dominating the American League East. Like, maybe mm-hmm. it's quite possible. But look at the offense, and and look and look at the, the the seasons they're getting out of Adley Rutschman, who who does seem like a perennial
0: superstar. But I, I but, but I, yeah,
1: but but, but yeah, okay. How many guys that that are full time catchers can keep that up like for a long right. hey, period of point. time? Fair point. Yeah, Gunnar Henderson, same deal. Like he he looks mm-hmm. great. Who knows? I mean, are they going to rue just going out and getting getting one starter who has a like a whip of one and a half in, in Jack Flaherty? Are they going to regret not pushing more of their chips into the middle of the table and and pushing for a Dylan Cease at the deadline because this was their year and not just that they're having a great year individually offensively, but that the Yankees and the Red Sox are garbage and did nothing at the deadline? Is that likely to happen for the for the next next half decade? i think not but yeah i think there's a comparable to be made to the 2021 toronto blue jays because that was that was the best team who wanted to play that team if they got into the playoffs especially oh. the way they played in september which got them back into the the race remember there was some horrible yep. games and i remember in detroit where they couldn't score a run in and in august the ball away yep and then and then yeah lourdes guriel jr has the the big home run against the a's in september that kind of started that that incredible streak and they were one win against the Yankees away from making the playoffs that 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 felt like the year this team is good and they can figure it out if like if some of the 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 guys some of the the position players like revert to their just career norms offensively and certainly the the pitching staff and the bullpen appears a lot better but man you had Marcus Semyon hit 45 home runs Vladimir Guerrero Jr. hit 48 you, you don't and to not make the playoffs, man—that—that—that that, that is a season I think that's going to stick in people's craw.
0: Ugh. You know what though—the the revisionist history of element of this is tough. But if you look at some, like if you look at after that season, right? Mm-hmm. They let Semyon walk. They had to. They—they they couldn't pay him. It was just—it was accepted by the group that that was not a tenable situation. Everybody tipped the cap and went, "Hey, thanks for your money." They made a brilliant choice in going Gossman over Robbie Ray. Yeah. Which was. I don't want to say controversial, but it was like, you know, there were some people that went, why mess with success here and the guy's working out, he just want to Cy Young for you. Um, I, I thought that for the most part, it was a, a pretty good off season. They end up being pretty damn close to getting Jose Ramirez, which, God, that's the ultimate, uh, like, uh, what happens if that goes down? Yeah. Um, but to me, I look at it, and, and a lot of this is through the lens of, okay, you're right you and I are fighting over the idea of did they get Tommy Pham, right? Yes. And, yes, did they blow the Varsho trade? Uh-huh. Have they had too many years where the bullpen wasn't good enough? Absolutely. But ultimately, like, what what would you have really had the front office do differently outside of those things so far? Like, there's not a lot to point to. And that's why I was making the point about Vladdy and Springer right now where I mm-hmm. go, at, at what point is this just going to become more about those two guys? than it is about the front office. Because you're right. Like, if they miss the playoffs, then it's been eight years of Atkins and you just you need to have a change because you can't have another crack where he gets to determine the pieces around these guys. But ultimately, like, I'm sorry, how much of this disappointment goes from a guy hitting 48 home runs and being a MVP runner-up to a guy who's like a good first baseman.
1: I don't know. Is he even good? Because, like, the, the, well, the OPS. No, no, no. I'm, I'm serious. Like, he's good. But, like, uh, judging on the bar of first baseman, where he's, like, between yeah. 10 and 20 in OPS among first basemen. And I know he won the gold glove last year. Hey, look at, at the defensive numbers this year without the, the shift. He's been abysmal, Vladimir Guerrero Jr., and the post-All-Star break, I thought maybe he had discovered his, his power stroke, and we've seen it at times. At least he's more of a threat than he was, you know, in, in July for the, or most part of, of, of June. But no, 100%, especially now that the trade deadline's passed, it's a huge focus on Vladimir Guerrero Jr., and specifically George Springer, who's, like, in the midst of the worst slump in the history of the Toronto Blue Jays. No, those guys are, are, are it. Like, yeah, you're, you're going nowhere if if those guys continue to do what they've done this season, the other thing is, and I I it's so baffling because the Blue Jays do have a bunch of like professional baseball players. I know like they're all professional baseball players, but you know what I mean. Like guys that are winning baseball players. Like I think we could all agree yeah. that Matt Chapman, Kevin Kiermeyer kind of fit that mold. But man, they, they do so many stupid things and they're so not fundamentally sound. And, and I was digging up the, the numbers because it just feels like they're incapable of scoring the runner from third base with less th- than two outs. They've it's basically had the, the, the exact same number of opportunities. They've had 213. The Baltimore Orioles have had 215 opportunities to score a runner from third base with less than two outs. The Orioles have scored 120 times in those situations. The Blue Jays, 99. There, there's 21 runs just on the table. That it, you can talk about the Orioles having some great offensive years from Gunnar Henderson and Adley Rutschman. That's all well and good. That's not guys having great years. That's guys understanding what to do and putting the it's bat on the ball. Baseball. No, it's it's just incompetence, man. Yeah. Like, uh, look at this team, game in, game out. How many opportunities they just leave on the table. How many stupid base running mistakes they make. I I, I don't know what to account for that. I, uh, I, I guess if you want to blame John Schneider, go ahead. I, I, I don't. I don't know what, what he's supposed to do. Maybe, you know, maybe he's starting to discipline guys, and I, I do wonder about that, the, you know, the George Springer day off um, earlier on in, in the Orioles series, but that that's 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 dramatic. That's the season. Honestly, that's the season. 21 runs, like, if you're just as good as the Orioles have been in those situations, you're maybe in first place in the American League East.
0: Mm. Yeah, Schneider, like, I don't know. I, I don't find it to be... A real compelling talking point because I think it's the same situation as Atkins. He's gone if they miss the postseason 100. percent. And if they, I think even if they lose in the wild card round, like they don't make it forward, it'll be a topic of discussion. But to me, it's like, you know, I've had moments of frustration. I definitely think that I don't think that he's been a a plus manager. Let's just say, yeah. right? Like I don't feel I don't like disagree he's been, with that. I don't think he's been adding, but I've, I also think that this is just what happens when a team is, you know, you're frustrated with them is whenever there's a bullpen decision that backfires or a pitcher that gets taken out too early, it's like firing brimstone towards a guy. Anyway, I, I just, yeah, I don't really care about the manager stuff. I care about the player stuff, and that, that's just it to me. Is like, I, I get it. I get how jobs should be on the line, How why jobs should be on the line, but so much of this when I just keep thinking about it is just, yes, it just centers around... Is Vladdy ever gonna be as good as we thought he is? Is that even in there, what we saw? Is that was that fleeting? Is it gone? And yeah, has Springer become washed up as he approaches thirty-four years old and you're still in a competitive cycle and now all of a sudden you're carrying that money on, on the books. It's like you were putting him in right field this year. We're supposed to free him up as a bat and make him an absolute stud, and he had some moments, but yeah, it's it's been it it hasn't been enough from a guy who is basically supposed to be one of your face at-bats of the organization along with Vladimir Bo. All, like, only one of those three guys has lived up to it this season. Yeah, and, and the
1: one guy that is is hurt right now. But, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's not That's great. Too. Uh yeah. No, the, the Springer one is, like, maybe he's done. I, I will say that, and I know it, it sounds silly to be talking about regression when we're, we're like, we're in August now, right? Like, but there are yeah. still two months of the season. Remember yeah, yeah. the season that Bo was having last year was basically yeah, baseball's in- long. In the middle of August, Bobechea was abysmal and and banged down to seventh in the lineup, and then ended up the best hitter on the Blue Jays and with the most hits in the American League. So a lot can change. Yeah. And I do look under the hood; like there's not a lot that's different on on George Springer's Statcast page than a season ago. Like maybe a little more swing and miss, and maybe a few fewer walks. But it's it's I yeah, and and I know like eye test wise, he doesn't look like the same guy. I don't know, Vlad looks like... Vlad has always looked, outside of the one year where they played a bunch of games in minor league ballparks. Like, and that, to me, that changes the... It it it, it changes the expectations for him, uh, for everybody. And it also changes how you build your team, right? Like, part of the idea of being able to give away a guy like Teoscar Hernandez is, well, you know, Vlad's better than he's shown. And I think the 2021 version of him is still in there. If it ain't, like, you can't afford to... To, to make a move like that and get rid of a thirty home run guy. Because the the, the you need to create offense and, and yeah. that he's not his like he's not the son of the, the, the middle of the solar system. He's like he's a plus. Like he's yeah. he's a better than average offensive player. But no you can't build your team around Vladimir Guerrero Jr. if this is him.
0: No, I, and just like even with the runners in scoring position thing, I know he had the clutch numbers earlier in the season. He was actually one of the guys that was hitting better, but mm-hmm. it just, it's the confidence test right now, right? Like when yeah. Vladdy comes up in a big spot right now, I, I'm just speaking to the audience in this moment. How, how do you feel? Like when it's late in a ball game and the Jays are trailing a run or two and Vladdy steps to the dish and even there's a runner on, whatever, it's like do you really feel like, oh, you're in trouble now? Like I, I don't feel that way Your about best, the other team.
1: Like the best outcome feels like a, a line drive to right field yeah. or a ground ball through the right side.
0: Yeah, and and to your Springer point, I I'm not going to play that he's washed card yet because I just yeah he's been too good of a hitter throughout his career and mm. like yeah you can obviously understand he's just turning 34 but this is what I would say is that it's it's a harbinger of things to come it feels like oh over yeah. The this next three seasons. yeah this that's, will happen yeah this will happen eventually for him but that's it it's like he's you know what year it is right now yeah it's 2023. Do you know what year he comes off the books? Twenty uh, twenty-seven. Yes. <laughs> so, <laughs> good
1: job. Good job, Benny. Uh Yeah, you, and at that point, well, I mean, You are a mathlete, dude. At, at that point, though, you've already made a decision on Bo Bichette and Vladimir Guerrero Jr. As far as their long-term future with the Toronto Blue Jays. Yeah, so I'm like, just yeah.
0: saying that. I'm just saying that you're not you're not burying George Springer next year or the year after. Like it's that's a round. Mm-hmm. There's a little bit of a Tavares parallel there. Y- yeah. No it's it's
1: it's not it's not uh, a dissimilar circumstance the only difference is of course that this is an uncapped sport so that you sure. can theoretically when you're drawing 4000 more fans and ticket prices go up and yeah. I know you're paying into the luxury tax for the first time in your franchise's history you know You know you know you what George Springer
0: that. You know how much money George Springer makes Yeah it's a lot of money well, more than double what John Tavares makes. Yeah, <laughs> like yeah. it's and, it's uh yeah it's a uh, pricey, 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 pricey guy. So yeah, tough for me to envision. Them you say Kikuchi
1: it. makes more than yeah John Tavares. Actually, I yeah. I don't think if he, I think that was front loaded. I think he only makes ten million it, this year. Yeah,
0: but I'm just saying. Springer makes twenty two point five. It's uh yeah. it's a it's a pretty hefty price tag for that guy not, no man it's and and like you know the thing we didn't even mention all of this is like manoa do you get that back it just there's this it's just there's too many things right now where you sit and look at it and even when they're winning these ball games and they're eking them out and they're hanging on to their wild card spot you just look around and go what's the thing that you're supposed to be most optimistic about i don't want to end this on the gloomiest note Buddy, ever but it's no like,
1: no no okay what are you supposed to be most they they do lead the american league in era
0: like that's a Dude, fact. Yeah, no, no doubt about it, Benny. What I'm just saying is, like, moving forward here, if you don't think that this is the year, right? Like, if you yeah, think that
1: Kevin Gossman is under contract for, like, yeah.
0: the the whole rotation outside of Hunjin Ryu is under contract for yeah, next season. Yeah, but we season. just talked. But we just talked about this with like Manoa's. He's been a linchpin yep. for what you thought the future was going to be, and now he's a question mark. And yep. so, so maybe and, he's
1: the fifth starter. Like the expectations are different. But like Jose yeah. Barrios is back All to right. being Jose Barrios. Yeah. Like, all I would right. say that, that yeah, this is what I was saying early in the season when they weren't hitting great, uh, but they were playing great defense and they were getting great pitching. Like, maybe this is the, like, pitching and defense team
0: because uh, it's certainly not the offense team. It doesn't feel like the defense team when you're, like, the right side of the infield yeah. is bleeding, is hemorrhaging yeah. every single night. Anyways, all right, let's wrap this up. Um, yeah, no, the the staff is good. Like, all right, you know, like, I'll be optimistic about pitching, that. Pitching, like-, like, the the starting rotation yeah. and the bullpen, which only got
1: better at, at the deadline and is going to get a guy in Chad Greenback. Who's yeah. like going to knock Nate Pearson out of the bullpen. Yeah. Right. Like in Nate Pearson, I know has been bad recently. So you're like, yeah, obviously Nate Pearson's getting knocked out,
0: but like, I feel bad for Nate Pearson, man. It's just like, I thought he was going to find himself in that role. And it's just, it's just now after watching him, even this in, during the series against Baltimore, you just look at him and kind of go, I-, I don't know, man. It just, it kind of feels done. It yeah. just feels You were at the end of the road here. Well,
1: no, I I don't think we're at the end of the road here, but I think this is his destiny. It's to be a middle reliever, right? Like a guy that Uh, can, yeah, like, like Like, like Trevor Richards, like Trevor Richards, who's, you know, traded at the deadline and kind of an under the radar guy, but is hung on to a roster uh, spot. And, you know, he's having a great season and maybe Nate Pearson will have one of those great seasons and maybe he'll even be a closer for a team one day. But yeah, right now he's just a reliever. Who can be good, can be bad, and has options. So you use those options when a better guy comes available, and that's sure. going to be Chad Green
0: soon. Man, that would be sweet if Chad Green was lights out. If all That'd of a sudden cool. you could just have like, yeah, Swanson, Chad Green. It did make me wonder though if it. Okay, no, I don't want to do this. This we're we're too pressed for time. But I'll just say this, presented without comment, is like if you are trading for Hicks and then Green comes back and he's good and Yimmy is fine and Richards is who he is, like. Does it at least change the perception a little bit of Swanson for Teo, even though Teo had a bad year? Considering like that's what a need you had now. Just well, I'm just saying like yeah, it's like if he's not your setup man or whatever, it's just eh, just, just a little. Well, to... the other thing about
1: Teo, and I know Blue Jays fans wanted to most. see. Well, he leads the American League in strike. He's had one good month
0: this season. I think like he like leads all of baseball in strikeouts, yes. not just the American League. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. yeah he does. He's he strikes it, which is like that's part of his game. Um, yeah. but no, he is he's had one good month this season. He's yeah, he's basically been a below league average hitter. Yeah, all season that's yeah, true it's true
0: but i think he would have come here he would have been so happy <laughs> <laughs> good vibes so happy at least right yeah exactly uh all right next time i have you on uh i gotta have some pilot talk with you because okay. i i thought about your dad quite a bit during my trip and the amount of flights that i ended up having to take and yeah just watching the way some of these different pilots comport themselves so that's next time for your dad uh oh, just so you know okay you want to have him on He'd Uh, love to do it. No, because he'll defend the pilots. He'll defend the pilots, (laughs) and I can't have that. Anyways, uh, all right. Thanks, Ben Ennis. Um, Subscribe to the podcast. Follow us on Instagram and Twitter at jdbunkus, at Sportsnet. Ben, and uh, yeah, we'll do some best bets later. All right. All right, let's wrap this sucker up. I'm not going to do pod only today simply because recording a mixed martial artist who is going to be fighting this December and his name is George Saint Pierre which is wild like this one totally snuck out of the radar for me I was with Austin yesterday we were having a chat he booked him and I was like whoa that's sick but why is he coming on so MMA guy me George Saint Pierre super fan me fraud complete fraud in terms of no <laughs> I had zero clue and yeah, he's going to be fighting in a grappling match, which is really cool. It's UFC-affiliated. I can't wait. Obviously, it's going to be sick to see him step into an octagon again. I cannot wait. So, yeah, George St. Pierre tomorrow. Going to be, yeah, taping the interview with him this afternoon. Because, yeah, here's the thing. I, I'm uh, I'm not asking George St. Pierre to work around my schedule. He, I'll, I'll work around his. That's the way that it's going to go. Okay, quick thing. Quick thing. Quick thing. Quick fun thing. Okay, I woke up this morning – this is, a, this is a late one. And saw this Mikhail Sergachev stuff. And many of you probably have no idea what I'm talking about. But Mikhail Sergachev, the defenseman of the Tampa Bay Lightning, did an interview in Russian where he took some shots at the Toronto Maple Leafs. And, okay, these are some of the, the Google Translate versions of it because he, he later came to the, his, the defense of his comments. It's basically this, quote, I don't wanna put any pluses on Toronto now. They didn't deserve them. Why? I don't think they deserve much. Well done here. They went through the first round, but did not go further. I don't see any reason to rejoice here. I'm like, ooh. It's a little it's a little spicy. Like he had a little fun. But yeah, the, the comments I guess he, he went to Google or sorry, he went to he went to his Instagram page. And he tried to clarify the comments. And I got to pull them up on my phone here because you can't open Instagram on a browser for whatever reason. Um, he clarified the comments, but I got to say, they, they weren't exactly. Wow, what a huge difference. The guy took some shots at the Leafs. He did an interview, they asked him about it, and. He clearly doesn't like that team. Anyway, this was his response on Instagram. Quote, LOL. (laughs) Love when grown men use LOL. If you don't speak Russian, don't use Google Translate as your first option and then spread misinformation. I never said it like that. Question was, Toronto played very physical, which got a couple of your defensemen hurt. Is that true? And I said, no, it just happens sometimes. People get hurt by accident and I don't want to give them credit. Okay, That's a little bit. Question asker. Why not give them credit? Sergachev. Why? I don't think they deserved them. Question asker. For the first time in 19 years, they passed the first round. Sergachev. True. Good on them. But they didn't go through to the second round. I don't see a reason to celebrate. End quote. Even if it was the nastier version, where He's really taking shots at the Leafs. Who cares? This is so great. I loved. I I read one article because I was like flying around trying to figure out what was actually said and what was actually done and what what the truth was here. What was the the miss and miscommunication? I saw one article and they went: Mikhail Sergachev provides Leafs with bulletin board material. And I, it was the morning laugh I needed. It was the morning laugh I needed. Could you imagine? That's what was holding back the Toronto Maple Leafs bulletin board material. This this is what we're doing here. Anyway, I love sports hate. Maybe this is a predictable take for me because I've always been on record with stuff like this. But God, this is so badly what hockey needs. And it always comes through like the Russian translator. And then we get the, hey, that's actually not what was said in this sport. But I love it. I love the idea of the Tampa Bay Lightning and the Toronto Maple Leafs hating each other. So I am fully for this. I think it's amazing. I don't think that this should be what motivates the Toronto Maple Leafs. But if it helps them in any way, great. Good on them. But yes, more sports hate. More trash talk. Anyway, George St. Pierre tomorrow. That's it for me today. Uh, Subscribe to the podcast. Leave five stars. And as always, thank you for listening.